but it's a magical time of year and it's baseball so you never know what's going to happen All right, hello and welcome to another episode of the Legacy Baseball League podcast. It is April 21st, 2023, or in LBL years, August 19th, 1907, on the eve of the League Cup for the four 1907 playoff teams. I'm joined by co-commissioner and GM of the Brooklyn Whales, Brendan. Brendan, how are you? I'm doing well, Andrew. Thank you for having me back again. Of course, of course. You know, this is the second uh, best-rated podcast in the LBL universe behind the Cigar Round. So um, I will continue to make that joke. Nobody can stop me. Um, and, uh, and no one will hear you. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, hopefully uh, we can get our dear friend Doug to join us here on the, the LBL podcast sometime. Um, but yeah, uh, it, exciting season, Brendan. We got a lot to talk about. Um, how are you feeling about the playoffs? I feel pretty good. I, um, you know, it was a good season in Brooklyn. I feel like uh, the two best teams in the Eastern League are going to face off here, and you know, we'll uh, we'll let the cards land where they they will. But uh, I feel pretty confident. Yeah, yeah, you had an okay season, I guess. Um, <laughs> I, I, and we'll talk more about that, of course, and, and sort of your process this year. But yeah, I'm also excited. Um, I've done quite a bit of digging in the last couple of days in preparation for the show. So I, I'm really excited. Uh, I, I think uh, where we should start, though, is, is with the uh, 1907 draft. I think it was a really interesting one. All right. Yeah, no, I... I mean, I know that uh, you mostly participated from afar, but I'd be curious <laughs> to to hear what your thoughts are. Um, you know, do you have any high level takeaways? Anything you in particular you want to talk about? Yeah, well, I, I think uh, to start, I should tell everyone that uh, not only did I trade off my first three rounds of picks for Tennessee Mirrors with Pittsburgh, uh, but I also was working for like thirty days straight before, during, and after the draft. So I had uh, Brendan very kindly offered to to draft for me. And then uh, as it happened, I, I was able to have some time on draft day. So uh, it was really cool. Uh, Doug set up a live broadcast on Spotify. So here I am just like hanging out like a schmutt talking <laughs> during the draft while Brendan is diligently drafting for me. So sorry about that, but I, I appreciate it. And I think you did. You had some really good picks for Richmond. Yeah, well, you're welcome. And, uh, you know, hopefully they'll make their debut and we'll get to uh, have a playoff rematch where... I'm just playing myself. So. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I think let's, starting with the drafts, I think first we'll, we'll talk about 1.1, which was interesting because it, it fell to Twin Cities with the uh, the Clippers trade. Um, and it was sort I don't think it was right at the deadline, but I think it was close to it. Um, and with that first round pick, Twin Cities went with Curtis Rose, the shortstop. What did you think of that? Um, I mean, it's... Uh... It's hard to argue with. I think he was the clear top batter in the draft. Um, I think Selvi, that um, the pitcher that the Kings drafted, was on my board higher. But yeah. um, you know, the Empire don't really have a need for pitching with the um, aging of Kensington Jones. I think it was 
clear that Max was gunning for a shortstop. I think the bat on Rose is unimpeachable. I've got some questions as to whether or not he's best suited for shortstop, but I think the bat is good enough and most of the defensive ratings are good enough that, uh, you know, he'll, he'll be a positive if, uh, if he does stick there. Yeah. You know, um, I, I would agree with all that. Uh, you know, obviously Max knows what he's doing and a lot of what the draft is, is, is what fits your organization the best. Uh, he does remind me of sort of a Ralph Bennett type. Uh, was like a younger Ralph Bennett as well. Uh, a little faster than Ralph, but, um, Agreed. Yeah, I think he may end up eventually one day at second base if there's any uh, regression there. I also, I think Max did point this out as well. Uh, his nickname is Brain and his intelligence is low, which I thought was fun. Um, but I, yep. yeah, I thought that was uh, pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I love, we've said it many times, but the uh, the name generator in our league is definitely on point. I, I think it's got a sense of humor. So I don't know if you've got chat GPT or what <laughs> yeah. up. But. Yeah, it's uh, almost dangerous. It's so funny. Um, I often uh, have to tell people they don't know that names like Constant Pain were, were randomly generated and he happens to get injured a lot. So um it is uh, kind of funny sometimes, but yeah, I, I mean, I, like I said, I liked the pick. I liked it for Max. Um, I think it was, uh, there was a lot of chat in that live um, sort of uh, recording we were doing during the draft that the, the it was once again, the Kings lucking out with the draft falling, pick falling late. It's not the first time it's happened with the Kings and they took Selvi at pick number six. It was, it was pretty crazy to watch. I couldn't believe it. I thought we were going to have a, uh, Baker's one-two punch of Batkin and Selby. So I think we all dodged a bullet there. Indeed. But um, yeah, I I mean, I think once Max picked Rose, which was a good pick, like I said, I think he was a clear tier above all of the other hitters. Um, that probably threw some of the boards into chaos because I think most people were anticipating that Selby would go. Um, the Bakers grabbed the second best shortstop, I think. Uh, or at least the best defensive shortstop in the draft. And then I think that then further threw everything into chaos. Everyone yeah. was <laughs> yeah. scrambling from there. Yeah, I, I think that's probably true. I know yeah, William Curtis went at 1.3. Um, I, I think he has the potential to be one of the best defensive shortstops in baseball, uh, superior defensive ratings all across the field. Uh, of note, and this is not the first time this has happened, uh, he tore his labrum and he's out for another two months, uh, which actually the Bakers, three of their draft picks are injured right now. Yeah, it's um, just bad luck for a franchise that's trying to turn the corner. But they're, I mean, their minors are stacked and we can talk about that when we do the the team recaps. But, um, you know, in looking at Curtis, he could probably, he wouldn't be a good bat, but he could probably play in the majors right now. He's probably developed enough. Um so it'll just be a question for Steve if he wants to rush him up to the, the majors once the labrum tear is done. But I think he could hold his own. The glove's good, obviously. And, uh, you know, I'm seeing at least my scout season is mostly developed other than contact and, and avoid K. So um, and I guess it just depends if he's going to uh, prioritize long-term development or try and get him up there and see what he's got. Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think that uh, Steve saw pretty immediate success with folks like Robert Backen, so you never know. Um, I my my scout also has him as uh, pretty well along. I think they're um, you know he's gonna 
he's not going to hit much. But there are teams, there are successful teams that take that risk at shortstops. And, um, you know, I think we, we saw uh, Tinker Taylor post, what, like 10 war this season or <laughs> something stupid like that. So, um, but, yeah, and we saw the Beavers do the same uh, yeah. after their, their trade with uh, Twin City. I think they they took off like a shot, and Sigurd White uh, had a WRC plus of sixty, and still put up <laughs> six WAR. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that pick uh, for the Bakers. I like Curtis a lot, and like he said, you know, even even just um, I mean, he he's got some good personality traits for someone that would if he was to get called off quickly. So um, I will be very interested to see what Steve has in mind. Um, I think uh, one pick I really liked in the first round uh, was actually from Philly, I think, uh, Salvador Pallister at uh, 1.15. Yep, a great bat, probably plays in the middle at second base. You know, not the most stalwart defender, but, I mean, the bat looks really good. And, uh, you know, Philly, the last two drafts has prioritized getting a, a big bat that can play in the infield. And uh, they're... They're going to be dangerous in a couple of years, I think. Um, Marty Harris is looking good in the minors, who was their pick last year. And uh, he and he and Pallister, I could see being quite a formidable one-two in the lineup. Yeah, yeah, and he's got good speed, too, which is always a nice bonus. I think you're right with that uh, infield arm. Uh, I think um, definitely second. I think you should probably see some reps at first base, too, just to have a little bit more flexibility in the lineup. Um but yeah, no, I liked that pick a lot. It was one of my favorites for how low he fell. Um, and uh, I think that was it for me in the first. Do you have any other comments or insight on the first round? Uh, I liked, there were two picks that I, I just want to highlight. I think um, Sherwood Matthews to the Reds at nine is a great pick for Sean. Um, you know, there's a pretty clear pathway where Matthews ends up the best player in the draft. Is <laughs> uh Defense is already pretty good, and his bat looks pretty good as well. He's posting good numbers already in Double A. Sure is. Yeah. So, I think um, I think that was a, a nice pick at nine. And then uh, I was hoping that Clyde Peach from the Clippers would slip uh, <laughs> to me in the second round. Um, I think a left-handed second baseman with a good bat that's a that strike strikes me as a pretty pretty good pick there and a good value at eleven. Yeah, and he can play anywhere too, um, which is nice. Good, uh, a ton of flexibility when you have a guy in this area who can hold his own in the outfield. Um, I, I, I think the only thing I didn't like about Peach was he's very clearly a platoon guy, um, which isn't necessarily the end of the world. Uh, but I don't think he's going to develop against lefties. Uh, at least it doesn't seem that way. And and something that's hard to remember about the draft as well is uh, it's not guaranteed value, you know. Um, we it, we've only really been through one long iteration of of enough time for minors from the draft to develop, and a lot of guys who you think are going to be great uh, don't end up panning out. And other guys, a great example is Tinker Taylor, that is basically a minor league castaway that ends up being one of the best defensive players in the game. Yeah, the way we have it set up with the feeders mostly being high schoolers, at least to this point, just means that <laughs> it's an exercise in dart throwing. You know, you can make educated guesses and put your thumb on the scale a little bit. But, uh, you know, we have it set up where the OOTP gods are going to speak and they might not speak in your favor. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it is, yeah, a good point. Just generally in the game, the high schoolers are uh, can, can be a real um, uh, 
difficult bet, unclear if they develop or not. Um, we do have a college league now. Um, we're getting away from the uh, randomly generated draft or draft poolies, so that should help with predictability. Uh, but it's something to keep in mind for the next few seasons. Um, I, I, I do have a note here in the second round. I thought uh, Doble was a good pick at uh, 2.4, uh, so well done. Yeah, I was excited that he dra- he fell that far. I um, I had traded up because I had a clear tier break, at least on my board, at you know, 20, 24. And so it was important to me to try and get up into that range. I had traded away my first-round pick for Gilbert Page, the um, Athletics first-round pick from the year before. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so I thought that was probably the last place to get really first round value. And then <laughs> lo and behold, there were a couple guys that I really liked that had slipped to that point. Um, so I was, I was glad to get double. I had him as one of the best hitters in the draft and, uh, you know, he plays good defense in, in center and has a good bat. Um, so <laughs> as soon as, uh, my pick was up, I was very excited. I rushed to get that one in. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anytime you can get a guy with that good of outfield range, that's really rare in the LBL. I'm always lamenting to you privately how hard it is for me to find good corner outfielders, let alone a good center fielder. Uh, so that was a huge pick. Yeah, I was excited with that one. Um, you know, there were a couple of center fielders that were picked just ahead of him, uh, one of which I think is our first second-generation player in Noah Petrie Jr. to um, the Packers, which I thought was uh, interesting once you start seeing the junior show up. I oh, think uh, his, I think his dad was in corner outfielder for baltimore um but uh yeah <laughs> I, was, I was excited that is that makes it in a weird way that makes me feel old um and also <laughs> i didn't know that the um the game did that that's uh, new information to me that's pretty cool yeah so we'll have to see how he develops his old man was pretty good a decent corner outfielder in the uh, in the pros so hopefully he follows in dad's footsteps very cool um i'm gonna keep my eye out for that now um, I th- yeah, I think um, I have here one of the Boston picks. Uh, I'm going to be generous and uh, conservative in my pronunciation of this, but Clark Kokenbread uh, at 2.10 to Boston, I thought was a solid pick too. He was good. I thought he was going to be kind of right on the fringe of the first, second round. I had him as one of the better center fielders in the draft. I thought Boston did a really nice job. They got a lot of value at um, really premium positions and, uh, you know, they had a lot of picks and, yeah. uh, I, I thought they used them in smartly. I think their double A team is going to be pretty well stocked and, uh, you know, these things sort of have a multiplier effect where, um, once the team starts winning, it makes it easier to develop your players. And, um, so I think he did a, a real service to the Boston fans and has set them up well for success in the tens. Yep, uh, 100% agreed. I also made a note that I thought Boston drafted really well, and that's not the first time Boston has done a great job in the draft. Um, I also have uh, the Kings and Twin Cities uh, as uh, uh, drafting well this time up. I know that uh, Twin Cities did a lot of draft pick trading as well, and I also thought Philly did a pretty good job this year. Yeah, I think... um, Let me call this up. I think Philly did a nice job. You know, I think... um, Providence did a good job as well for what they were setting out to do. I think it was clear that they were trying to build their minor league pitching depth. And they got Tibbetts in the second, which was great value. Mm -hmm. I had him as a top five pick. Um, 
They got Santo Norbury and Lon Holmes, also good pitchers. And they got a center fielder in Millage that also looks pretty good, pretty developed for being on the younger side. So um, I, they struck out to me as having a pretty good draft. Yeah, pretty good draft all around for the Ivy. Um, I, I don't know if that's good for you or bad, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I welcome the challenge. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was uh, interested to note that uh, the, no catcher was selected until the fifth round, and it was actually you selecting for Richmond. Yeah, it was a pretty weak catcher draft, I thought. I think the upcoming one... And it's tough to tell who is ultimately going to make it into the draft pool. But I think next year's draft is going to be a catcher-heavy draft. Um, the guy that you drafted, Gossard, I think is um, a pretty good minor league piece that could develop into a major league piece. He's yeah. got good personality traits and good catcher ability. Decent bat, not really going to um, <laughs> wow anyone with a stick, but... Yeah. Um, you know, I think he's one of those guys where you hope that a stat ticks up here or there, and then uh, you're looking at somebody that could be a fixture behind the behind the dish for a while. Yeah, I I, I think so too. I thought it was a good pick. Um, I think that uh, I think a lot of GMs undersell the importance of having good everyday players in the minors that might not necessarily make the majors, but help uh, prevent negative uh, down spiral effects from a team doing poorly. Yeah, and uh, I, you got a good guy in the fourth round as well, Ewald Dale. Yes. Uh, I liked him a lot. He he was one of my top 24 guys. I think he can play corner outfield. He can play third base, good bat. Um, so you did well. Yeah, good for me. Of course, I would think that. <laughs> <laughs> but nevertheless, yeah. I think you did pretty well. Uh, people will and forget Tennessee, yeah, it was you eventually. <laughs> and and Tennessee Mears, you know, uh, he had a heck of a year. He put up, what, 6-7 war. So you yeah. got your value out of the draft. There's no doubt. <laughs> yeah, uh, I that that's very true. And I, I've mentioned this before. As we sort of wait, and I love the draft. It's exciting. If, even when I'm not drafting early, I'm still try, always try to participate Um but in this really early time, it can be hard to judge value. And I think every GM takes a different approach. And mine is is pretty much slider all the way to the right on value now through this era, um, which, you know, the center can only hold on that for so long, but it was successful this year. Um, but uh, you also, and I think this isn't the, la the first time, I think, but you had the last pick of the draft in uh, round nine, pick 16, um, I, I would love to go back and look at all these logs and see if any of these guys ever make the majors. There is one guy that's still kicking around. I don't remember what team he's on. He's in the minors for Cleveland, maybe Walter ball. I want to say, um, <laughs> who's put up a ton of minor league war. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I keep looking at him like, Oh man, what could have been? I don't think he'll ever make the majors, but, um, you know, for, the guy that ended, we used to only do three rounds, um, but yeah. still the guy that is uh, at the end of the line, you wouldn't really expect much from. But uh, yeah, he stuck around. I don't remember who who the 1906 pick was at the end of the draft, but maybe I traded that one to Michael. Yeah, that'd be fun. Oh, Mo now Moses Richardson, who's now in your minor league organization. So. Oh, yeah. I'm a great uh, bottom feeder when it comes to free agency. <laughs> so um, Yeah. 
Oh yeah, there he is. Um, yeah, this is a guy like in an emergency could probably come in uh, in the event of like dual injuries <laughs> or something like that. But he's young, you know. Um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, that'd be fun to keep track of. Um, I, I thought uh, it was a very engaged draft, and it, it sort of fed from the energy of by far the most busy trade deadline we've had to date. Yeah, I think that there was a lot of interest in this one. It was probably the deepest draft class that we've had, you know, and that was a big driver. And, you know, everyone was getting good players up through, you know, round four or five, um, you know, which is nice because now people have something to look forward to in their double A squads. Um, you know, I, I always get a big kick out of if you flip through Stats Plus, you can sort of see some trends emerge and you can kind of gain some insight into people's preferences this is the second year in a row that the giants have drafted a a really big bat in the first round with a question marks around what position he's going to play but i think um you know he drafted love machine this year he drafted a first baseman edward mitchell last year um you know and uh, bats like that you can find a place to play them uh which i think his outfield is already set the giants is so yeah, he's uh, I think just gunning for let's let's put some point some runs on the board and uh, we'll see how it how it all plays out. Yeah, and you know as we talk about the divisions and the teams, we can talk a little bit more about strategies. But you're right, um, it, it, that uh, the sort of insights that you start to see when you're paying attention are helpful for when you want to go trade with that person because you can orient the value in that direction. Agreed. So yeah, speaking of trades. Um, do you, well, let me let me ask this first. Do you have any other thoughts or closing comments on the draft? Um, one other pick that I really liked was uh, Doug's pick in the third round, James Roof. Um, he's got, I think he's a left-handed center fielder. He's got good gap, good speed, pretty developed for how old he is. Uh, he isn't playing particularly well right now in Double A, but I would expect that to reverse course next year. Um, I had him and Coke and bread, <laughs> which I think is what we decided his <laughs> yeah. pronunciation was. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I had them side by side on my draft board. And so to get that guy at the end of the third round, I thought was really good value. Yeah, no, I'm looking at him right now, and, and I agree. And I, I'm always a fan when they have some speed, some stealing ability. Um, uh, I think it does make a difference in the dead ball era. But yeah, no, that's also uh, a great great pick and i'm a big avoid k guy and he's about maxed out so um yeah all, all in all i think a great draft our first nine round draft um i didn't get to stay for the end of it but uh, i am very much looking forward to the next one i might actually have some picks this time <laughs> well i guess it just depends if uh, there's a new shiny toy hanging out there for you it's true yeah uh <laughs> we'll, we'll see um so moving on like i said uh, sort of what set this scene for some of the interesting um, picks in the draft was this extremely active trade season that involved a lot of uh, draft pick trading. I, I have a list of some that I made notes on. They're not necessarily in chronological order, but um, let me before before I uh, give my first. What do you think was the most monumental trade of 1907? Uh, I think the, well, we had two whoppers, uh, both with Twin City that I think are potentially franchise altering for them. They got, um, in the course of a couple weeks, the number one pitching prospect in the LBL mm -hmm. and the best hitter 
in the 1907 draft. So, you know, I think Max has to feel pretty good about how he <laughs> how he worked the phone or not phones, the telegraphs. I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure what the yeah, technology is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I think he's got to be feeling pretty good. You know, it'll take a couple of years for those to come to fruition. And there's always some risk in having an 18 year old arm that you're <laughs> relying on. And he's got good pitchers in the interim, but uh, you know, if uh, both of those two hit, those are some really big pillars to build around. So, yeah, um, I 100% agree. Uh, Porter Dilly, the Porter Dilly trade was the the biggest one for me. I thought Max absolutely laid waste to to the trade landscape uh, toward the deadline. Uh, did a very good job, and it's uh, easy to forget that Porter Dilly was was actually uh, a hidden pitcher when he was drafted, which is something. Uh, I will never live down in my life, given that he went one pick after me. Um, and I was so absorbed with writing my draft preview that I forgot to check for sneaky pitchers. Um, and uh, I think he's going to do just fine. I mean, he did stumble a little bit. He started out at AAA, I think, and then got sent down. Um, and uh, he just, I think he got busted six war down in uh in double a this season so there's every indication that this guy is is going to be very good yeah uh i mean you can have yeah you can talk yourself into some downsides he's got a low work ethic mm-hmm. you know he's not particularly developed he's got a lot of ground to make up to hit his potential but that's just because his potential is stratospheric so <laughs> yeah. um I think uh, I think he'll be a fixture on the top of the leaderboards once uh, once he develops. But it, it was a good trade for Doug too. He got um, a really good defensive shortstop and a really good defensive catcher out of the deal. He um, loaded up on a couple of mid round picks um, from Twin City that I I think he did pretty well with. And uh, once he got Sigurd White and Van Turner into his clubhouse they took off like a shot it was a close close division race until until then and even though they can't hit <laughs> they uh you know they provided enough value elsewhere that uh i think it really just rounded the beavers into form yep 100 percent agreed it was the right trade for them and also uh that is very much doug's style to that sort of uh extreme defense uh hit where you can but uh pitching and defense comes first and that uh, that that's a successful formula in the LBL. So uh, I thought it was a great trade. I thought it was pretty, uh, like you said, pretty groundbreaking, even generational. Um, but uh, I liked it a lot. So uh, I don't have the rest of them any sort of momentous order. Um, let me see here. Uh, oh yeah, you uh, you got long long haul in your organization from the Angels. Uh, yeah. So, you know, much like yourself, I was looking at the depth charts of Brooklyn and there was, uh, the oldest part of my team was in the corners and there was no clear successor. And I feel like, uh, corner outfielders are somewhat at a premium because, you know, there just aren't that many good ones. And so to be able to lock in a guy that's 23, that looks like he's going to be, um, certainly above average. Um, for you know the next seven years potentially it was worth it uh, providence was trying to improve their pitching and we had talked about a number of different potential trades permutations but um i think he liked jimmy abel white's uh, southpaw that was 
successful in AAA for me. And um, Alwyn Adams is a corner bat that looks like he's going to really rake against left-handed pitching, and he can somewhat hold his own against righties if uh, if he hits his potential with a decent glove. Um, and I, I think there was a pick too, maybe the third round pick. Um, so he, um, you know, Elwin Adams isn't a one for one to, um, cook, but I think he thought he was getting enough value back and it was worth it to improve his pitching and Abel White pitched pretty well for him once he came over. Yeah. Um, I think it fills a, a huge hole, especially since Providence has an upper tier offense, you know, um, their record doesn't really reflect their offensive strength right now with their top four hitters. And so I, I think Providence is absolutely right to seek out any way possible to, to get that FIP down in the dead ball era. And so I, I, my first look at the trade, I was a little suspicious, just a, a stats lab, a stats lab overview, you know, a glance, but uh, after looking at Abel White a little uh, deeper and then realizing he was a lefty, um, I think this could really work out for Providence. Yeah, I think he's got good control. Um, you know, he isn't quite fully developed yet. He's got some room to grow and movement, and I think he can tick up one or, or two more in control, uh, according to my scout. So uh, I think the fact that he played so well at his current rating level, um, you know, it speaks to a lot of potential um, for Providence to really solidify that part of their rotation while they wait for the younger guys that they just drafted to come along. Yeah. Um, I, and, and, you know, speaking of the whales, you also uh, got one of my favorite guys from the dubs, old Nikki Thompson. Yep. Same profile as cook. Yeah. <laughs> Almost <laughs> yeah. to the letter. Uh, good eye. Okay. Glove. Um, I think the, the doves, um they're they've been treading water for the last couple of years they're a contender but you know not necessarily one that would be considered a favorite for the cup in any given year and i think they decided we're going to trade away some of our old guys and get whatever we can for them and um you know it's always tough to try and value a 38 year old <laughs> hitter <laughs> yeah. um but uh thompson's been good for me since he came over i um I don't remember who the Dubs picked with the with the draft pick that they got, but um, hopefully somebody that he was happy with. Yeah, um, I'm a I'm a big fan of Nicky Thompson. Uh, always always have been. Um, he was traded over to Richmond before we assumed control of the teams, but then I sent him uh, to the Beavers for uh, really uh, what what looks like peanuts in retrospect. But for catcher Josh Holmes, he was actually pretty good back then. Um, and then just sort of regressed and, and Thompson, uh, I think he had a down year and was, um, uh, he was blocking another move, but also his ratings went up according to my scout. But, uh, this is a guy who has never had a bad year. And, um, even though he's 38 years old, he still posted, uh, I think, uh, between the two teams, I think around 138 ops plus. So, um, yeah, that OPS plus is great for a 38 year old. Love his sideburns, and, and I've always liked Thompson. So well done uh, in uh, capitalizing on the rebuild over there in Chicago. Yeah, well, hopefully he uh, <laughs> comes through. He's in the lineup right now as the corner outfielder against right handed pitching, and uh, Richmond's got 
all three of their starters are right-handed, so he'll probably see a lot of play against you, and maybe he'll be looking for some revenge after being <laughs> shipped off unceremoniously. Yeah, he he joins uh, the list of uh, only a couple other players who have uh, uh, suited up in each division uh, after he headed over to Brooklyn. Um, but uh, another trade here. This is this involved one of my other favorite players, the Empire, and the big trade uh, that. Um, that sent the 1.11 to to Baltimore and they gave him the 1.1. We kind of already talked about it, but um, let's see here Uh, what they got, uh, what the Clippers got for that trading away their first round pick and getting an 11th overall is uh, Stanford Gimson and uh, Joseph Bumble, but also a long time center fielder, Theodore Hill. Yeah, I thought it was, you know, Baltimore got good players, which is important if you're going to trade away the 1-1. One, one. I think getting Clyde Peach with that pick was a nice little cherry on top. Um, Gimson looks good. He's got good control. Uh, he should slot right into the rotation soon. He's had a good year in AAA this year. Um, and I think Baltimore is just trying to figure out what their pitching is going to look like for the next couple of years. Ralph Hall turned a corner for him. It looked like to me this year. And so if you can get Gimson up there and um, put him alongside Hall and figure out which of uh, General Glenn and um, Sherwood Kettle is uh, is going to stick around, I think, um, you know, they're, they're trying to turn the corner and start to compete in the Liberty. And I think this sets them up to do so. Yeah. I'm, uh, I, I fought hard for Kettle. I, I think, um, he used that lefty we were trying to get originally and he had a great comeback season, uh, this year, um, pitched a little bit more. I don't know if he was maybe injured last year or something. Doesn't look like it. Um, but yeah, I think he posted, uh, 124 ERA plus about three war. So, um, yeah, a pretty good turnaround for him. And uh, like like you said, the Clippers are, I think, you know, it's another one of those teams. Uh, he only finished three games behind second place, 17 games behind. Um, and he had a kind of a great resurgence, I think, if I, in July. He had a climb back towards Philly uh, and then slumped right there at the end. He got uh, swept by the rifles. But uh, I, I really think Baltimore's on the up and up. Yeah, I think he gained 14 games uh, from the previous year. So it was, uh, you know, things are accelerating in in Baltimore, and they've got a really good farm system. Um, They've got guys that are ready to come up next year just in flipping around the league. The talent in AAA is pretty weak for the most part. You know, it's mostly a lot of guys that are towards the tail end of their career or right in that sort of quad A range. Yeah. but Baltimore's got some guys that are ready to come up from AAA in the next year to help push towards the top of the Liberty Division. And then he's got great, great prospects down in, in AA. <laughs> it looks like he's been hoarding third baseman as far as I can <laughs> tell. He's got uh, three guys that could start on almost any team in the in the LBL. So, yeah. Uh, um, I am not pleased when I gaze down at the stars in Baltimore's minor league system. I, I can tell you that much. Um Jim's done a great job, and and he's been playing the long game, and I I think for a, eventually the reckoning will occur. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Elroy Fowler is only twenty, and um, he had an amazing year at the plate for a shortstop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and things are looking good for Baltimore. 
And so I think it was a good trade for him in the short term and in the long term with PJ and Gimson coming over. I think those are two pieces that you can build around. Yep, absolutely. Um, as we go through these trades, and I see Brooklyn tagged in, in over half of them, uh, I, I was curious, uh, if you don't mind sharing, um, there seemed to be a point where you, you made a, a decision to sort of um, uh, sell before the deadline. Um, do you want to talk through that thought process? Uh, sure. You know, I don't know that there was really a decision at any point to sell specifically. Um, you know, I think my perspective is always I'll sell if I think I'm getting good value or I'll buy if I think I'm getting good value. Uh, as anyone who's ever posted somebody to the trade block knows, <laughs> always eager to talk about whatever whatever trades um, might make sense and always happy to be at least in the mix for, for potential players. I think I had traded away uh, a number of picks in the middle rounds. Um, the third round pick went to um, Providence. The fifth round went to um, uh, Chicago. And so um, I saw that the Reds had, they were trying to compete. They were only two games back or a game and a half back. Yeah. And I had just lost their third baseman. And so I reached out to Sean, you know, Sean and I have done a number of trades over the years and um, just said, Hey, would you be interested in, um, you know, Emerson West, who's been a, a great first third baseman. Um, you know, he plays both corners and he's been on Brooklyn for forever. And I think he's got a great bat. Um, and I just wanted to see if there was any mutual interest there. And so um, he sh was willing to ship over a pick to me for um, West, which I think in the end was somebody that I, a pick that I used on a starting pitcher, Duncan Bold, that I'm pretty excited about. Um, and, Emerson West was a great bat for St. Louis down the stretch. So I think it was one of those that was mutually beneficial. Um, and then I sold my first round pick to Cleveland as well. Um, he was trying to get back into the first round. He had lost a lot of draft equity when he acquired Caesar Scott last year from Boston. Mm -hmm. um, and I wasn't sure exactly how the board was going to play out, but, um, you know, I thought Paige was a pretty good hitter and to lock in value for. 116 and not have to worry about who's going to slide. It made sense to me. I don't have a lot of lefties in my minor league system. And so I thought bringing in a lefty that can play third base was a, was a win for me. And he had gone 110 the year before. So um, to get the previous year's 110 at 116, I thought uh, made a lot of sense for, for the whales. Yeah. And, and, you know, still small sample size at uh, 161 at bats for this year. I think he's going to bounce right back and it is rare to find um, uh, a superior arm over at third base. who's also a lefty with a good bat. So I think it was a good trade. Yeah. I mean, much like yourself, it was, uh, it's nice to lock in guys that you, you know, see as either immediate contributors or guys that already have a sample size behind them. He had hit well and, the minors for Cleveland for the previous season and a half. So I felt pretty confident that he was going to continue to hit. <laughs> Turns out he <laughs> didn't continue to hit, at least in the short term, once he came over. But, um, you know, I think he'll be fine in the long term. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I feel I, f I feel like I'm just interviewing you at this point. But uh, 
How about Wilfred Longworth for a third round pick? This is, I, I mean, maybe it, maybe my scout is just, you know, married to this guy's niece or something, but I, I think he looks fantastic. Uh, I think he's a good hitter for a catcher and he's left-handed. Um, there's two guys on the whales that were contributing negative, negative value this year. One was backup catcher, Noah Forbes, who was a lefty. Um, I like having the, the catchers, um, one righty, one lefty. Um, and then the other is Lucian Clark, a longtime favorite of, uh, of Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. He doesn't pitch ever, but, um, Nevertheless, he's occupied a <laughs> roster spot for the last couple of years. Um, so it was an opportunity to replace an underperforming guy. Uh, you know, I think he looks good. And similarly, the the Doves are looking to accumulate picks and start to form the organization into into his sort of view of what he wants to do. And, um, you know, it's working out for him. The double-A team is <laughs> they won 81 games. Um, so, you know, I think he's on the right track. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it was an opportunity to trade a question mark in a in a draft pick for something that, to my eye, looked a little bit more certain. Yeah, and it, it fills a huge hole. Uh, well, it's not really a hole, but it gives you a lot of security, right? I mean, obviously, Deacon Dunkley is probably the best catcher in baseball, um, and uh, he's only 28. And having that backstop in the event of injury or days off um, without a regression, you know, a lot of people struggle to find a good bat at their backup catcher. I know I do. Um, so that's awesome. Uh, it's, it takes a lot of pr- pressure off any GM to keep those uh, wins up on off days. Uh, and I, yeah, so I basically just super envious of your catcher program there in Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> well, I got nothing in the minors. It's, <laughs> uh, it's something that was, you know, there's two spots that are, I look at the depth charts. I'm like, oh, there's nothing there. Second base and catcher for me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. You know, it was just an opportunity to, all right, now I don't have to worry about it for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, that, so that is the, the last trade on my list. Did you have any other trades that caught your eye? Um, well, I think Cleveland was active right mm-hmm. up to the, um, deadline. I liked, I liked the trade that they made with the umpire in shipping off, um, Onsley, the first baseman. And getting back um, Joseph Jones and a draft pick. I thought that was a good trade. Ansel Hawley, right? Oh, Ansel Hawley. That's his name. Yeah, Yeah. I like that guy. Um, Yeah, and he was having a heck of a year uh, for Cleveland. I think he was worth something like four wins above replacement. He's somewhat of a unicorn in that he's a first baseman that can run. And, um, (laughs) yeah. And, you know, he was great at the, great at the plate. Yeah, he hasn't been as good. For Twin City, which I think is uh, maybe rhymes with Nate Larrabee. Uh, yeah, I was going to say that's kind of a tradition in Twin <laughs> Cities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I thought that was a good trade for for Cleveland, and he used it. I think that was the pick where he picked. Um, well, maybe he picked Silas Ellis with with uh, the pick that I traded him, but uh, he got another corner bat in Richardson that looks, you know, to my eye, like one of the better bat only players in the draft. Um, a lefty that, um, will continue Cleveland's program of only lefty outfielders. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I thought he did a really nice job for starting the draft with no picks in the first two rounds. He ended up with two first round picks. So, um, you know, and he was, uh, pretty diligent in seeking out 
any any avenue i think to get get back into the first and uh you know i thought he, he did a nice job there i thought philly might have taken advantage of him a little bit um he traded uh reinhold rogers over to philadelphia for a couple of minor league first basemen oh that's right uh, yeah so, um, you know, I thought maybe he lost some value there, but um, he gained a lot of value with the trade with Twin City, and he, he picked a really good player with the pick that I sent him. So I think overall net, he, he came out ahead. Yeah, and I, I, think, um, I think I would agree with that. I mean, just looking at Rodgers, uh, you would think that, you know, this is a starter when he develops that's going to be able to compete with um, – uh, half of the starting pitchers in the LBL, but then you look at his stats, and and they really haven't been that great. It, it looks like though he's been in relief, um, so maybe that's why. So maybe the value is skewed on that, but hard to say. You know, uh, who who can say what is in the heart of GMs? Um, but I, I like I like Rogers, uh, ground baller too as well. Um, so yeah, no, I would agree. It was incredibly active. It was the worst possible time for me for everything to suddenly become active. And I did get several offers uh, and just wasn't in a space at work, right? It was able to put the diligence into trades. Um, got a couple bites. I was not aggressive on my end um, after the, the Mears trade. So I was just kind of letting the team gel this year. Uh, but I was very appreciative of the hot stove. Um and even though it meant a lot of clicking before simming in the the sims leading up to the deadline, uh, yeah, the commissioners love active trading. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, I I we do need to sort of rewrite the rules, I think, because there like there's a way to to submit it in game that makes it so much easier. Um, and I don't know why that I we just haven't done that always, but um, I do like having a written record of it outside of the game, and so the posting is is helpful as well. Um, but anyway, uh, thank you to all GMs and, uh, Brendan for your part in a very active trade season. And, uh, although it was fun, the, the first sim after the trade deadline is like a breath of fresh air. Cause you know, you don't have to go drag players around in the client. <laughs> um, but yeah, very, yep. yeah, very fun. All right. So I think what we can move to now, uh, we're at, uh, let's see here. I'm oh, making good time here. 45 minutes. Um, I, I think the, the listeners are on the edge of their seats waiting to talk about these divisions and their year in 1907. Let's do it. Let's give the people what they want, Andrew. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to start. I think I started here last year, too. I'm going to try and remember the Brooklyn Whales this year. Um, but I, I got to talk about what I think is the best uh, and most, well, the most competitive division in baseball. Um, and uh, don't tell Doug, but I, I, I think it's the frontier this year. I think you're right. I think uh, all four teams were good, um, and we can we can talk about it. I don't know where you want to start. Yeah, well, let's start with Pittsburgh. Yeah, so Pittsburgh, their record is probably disappointing to them. Um, you know, 53 and 67, they come in last again. Um, so people in Pittsburgh are probably upset, but I think if you look just a little bit under the surface-level record, there is a lot to like about what is going on in in Pittsburgh. They were the unluckiest team yeah. <laughs> in 1907. <laughs> they sure were, yeah. Um, if you look at their expected wins, they should have had nine more, which yeah. would have put them ahead of the Reds in, in the frontier. I think the team that they're building is sort of 
on the vanguard of LBL strategy, and they sort of shared the strategy with with Boston. But they gave Jill Dirtnell 120 innings out of the pen, mm. and he dominated. He had a sub two uh, FIP, um, you know, and you combine that firepower with Johnny Oxenden, and you've got the makings of a hell of a pitching staff. He drafted a lefty that I think could also fill sort of the Dirtnell role in a couple of years. Um, and uh, he called up Arthur Miller at shortstop. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he had a great year with both with the glove and, you know, the bat lagged a little bit, but um, it seems to be the way that this era works is if you've got a good defensive shortstop, you're, um, that's a huge huge benefit to your team. Uh, he moved bird over to center field. I saw that, yeah. which, I, mm-hmm. which I liked. I think that makes a lot of sense for his current roster construction. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and he's got good bats. He's got a good second baseman in James Knight. Um, his catcher, Charles Maxted had a good year at the plate. So I think there's a lot of promise there. Uh, you know, the, the bottom line record is probably, you know, a bitter pill to swallow for Oilers fans that have been waiting for them to turn the corner. But I think they're they're right on the cusp, as far as I can tell. Um, I'd, I'd have to agree, and we've talked about how much we like the uh, the Oilers um, as a franchise. Um, uh, I, I've always been a fan of Johnny Ox, and as he's coming to full fruition, he has panned out just about as good as you can hope. Um, maybe wish for a little bit more on his changeup, but. Um, that's about it, and he's not done developing either. His splits look great, um, and he's only 26, so this is a guy who's going to be uh, dominating for Pittsburgh for a long time. Um, they've got a lot of the right ingredients. I mean, you look at their overall rankings in just about every category. Uh, they don't have anything that they were the, near the worst in, uh, and in fact, they are we're incredibly close in a lot of uh, different categories, so I think you're right. I think luck certainly factors into the uh the record here this is 100 percent a team that is on the rise yep by expected win loss they were the sixth best team in the lbl this year wow. <laughs> unfortunately yeah. for them the beavers were fourth and the athletics were fifth but <laughs> <laughs> yeah a tough a tough division i mean they're always joking about it but this is uh this is a defensively superior d- uh, division this is a, a hard-hitting division um, and they're stuck in the midst of it right now. So um, uh, as we move on, I think maybe we'll talk about the Reds next. I think it's worth noting this is the only division where three of the four teams had a positive run def- differential as well. Yeah, I mean, it seemed to be that they were the toast of the Western League. I don't know how the Great Lakes feels about that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. we had four teams that were competitive for the the whole season. Doug started to run away with it right around June, right around when the calendar turned to June. But, you know, all four teams had great seasons. And so, you know, I don't think you can fault any of them for the roster that they put together. It was, uh, you know, in any other division, <laughs> they uh, <laughs> would have been looking a lot better. But I think they just beat each other up all year. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of uh, bad luck, let's talk a little bit about the Reds. Um, I assume you're talking about injuries or what, uh, what are you, what well, are you <laughs> well, they, uh, they, uh, fell off the edge of the earth in the last, uh, three weeks of play. If you, yeah, they, they were a game and a half out kind of right up, right up until the draft two two games. So they were 
they were in it. And yeah, they just kind of tailed off, tailed off to the end. I know Sean's disappointed in their pitching. I think they've got a pretty good pitching staff, low control. Um, you know, so maybe he looks into bringing in one of the um, higher catcher ability catchers this offseason. But, um, you know, I think their roster is really good. They've got maybe the best outfield in the LBL with um, Cook, Ronsel, and um, Cadillac Reeves. Yeah, it's hard not to like that outfield. I'm a big uh, Reeves fan, and I think he's done getting paid now too. So, um, yeah, he is this year. So uh, he's no longer on that big contract. Um, 139 OPS plus. Um, man, I, I fought hard for Reeves and lost the year he was a free agent. But, but yeah, with the Reds, I thought they were a second-place team for sure. Um, they, uh, they, they were close. Uh, Cleveland was building momentum. And then in uh, right in August, the Reds they lost all but one game in uh, well all but two games in the final two sims. Um, oh man, yeah, yeah, that is rough. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know that a lot of that's just you know attributed to luck. I, I it was kind of I don't want to say poetic, but ironic timing because it was right off uh, after Sean's really humorous like season review from his scout in the in the writing section, you know. Um, and I guess that sort of demoralized the Reds players when that news broke. Um, but <laughs> but the, he's. Uh, I also noticed that Sean has got his uh, pitchers on pitch counts. Um, this is a strategy I've seen that I have not yet adopted either, is to rely more on the bullpen. I think I'm still waiting for a couple of those high-stuff relievers I drafted to uh, or signed to, to kind of pan out. Yeah, I think you know it makes a lot of sense if your starting pitching is – you know, shaky to push those innings towards, you know, somebody that's a little bit more of a difference maker. Um, you know, I, I, I like his team. I think he's got Eugenio Carna or Carn Carney. I don't know how you want to say that, but mm-hmm. he shifted, he shifted over to shortstop midway through the season, which I think was the right choice. He's got, <laughs> he's got a lot of former whales. He's got uh John Keat and Emerson West, both mm-hmm. guys that I really like. Um, you know, I think the, the pieces are there. It's, uh, maybe try and find a good catcher. He's got one in the minors, but I think he's probably a few years away, um, in Edward Cook. Um, you know, so if he finds a second baseman, uh, I think Emerson West and Nathan Davis are a fine first base platoon. So, um, I think if he gets a, a catcher ability catcher that can help maximize his, lower control pitchers i think uh you know i don't even think he needs to really make a move at at starting pitcher i I like his rotation yep no i was gonna say the same thing and it's it's uh working for him um you know all but i think four of his batters posted above average ops plus so uh, like you said there's not a big gaping hole anywhere just a tough division and some minor tweaks i think but uh very unlucky end um but still you know this guy is above 500 he's in a um He's in a tough division in a tough league. So um, I, overall, I think it's a good season for the Reds. Agreed. Yeah. I, I think he's got to be happy with how he finished. You know, he might be disappointed in the last two Sims, but good season. Good season for Sean. Yep. Um, and uh, I think, let me see here. Yeah, that's all I, that's all I had for the Reds. Uh, let's talk Cleveland. Yeah, I think Cleveland's season got derailed with the injury to Caesar Scott. I yep. think that was a big blow to them. 
you know, they finished really strong. Their starting pitching is really good. It is indeed. And um, they they have embraced, I think, sort of the defensive philosophy of, um, you know, the more successful clubs in the in the Western League. Um, so I think this was a down year for them, but they're starting to supplement their majors with some some young guys. They called up a catcher at the end, Milo Carruthers, Frank Balls, 22. They've got Lawrence Witt at second base, who's a great glove. Um, you know, so I think over the next couple of years, they'll probably cycle out some of their older players and um, try and do it in an orderly way. But I, I don't see them going anywhere in, in 1908. Um, I think they're going to continue to be challenging to the, the rest of their frontier mates. Yeah, in, in a way, they kind of have the opposite problem right now of the Reds um, for for two teams that are similar in other ways is that uh, Cleveland really struggled struggled offensively but had probably one of the best rotations stat-wise in the LBL. Um, I think the, the uh, sort of underperforming offense is really the, the biggest notable difference more than any roster change for Cleveland. Yep, I agree. And some of it is, you know, they've got guys that are getting older. Johnny Hyde's 36. Mm. Caesar Scott is 35. No spring chicken either. Um, and Mike Thompson, their, their starting third baseman, is also 34. So, um, you know, some of their premier players are on the older side. But, you know, the, he's drafted well the last couple of years. So I think um, he'll just have to figure out a bridge to get those guys up to up to the majors. But It'll be easy to do with Benedict Hatcher and Leonard Tansel at the top of the rotation, both guys that put up over six and a half war this year. Yeah, um, uh, absolutely. And, you know, Paul's he's so active and he's uh, he's very knowledgeable. So uh, I like his style. I I, uh, I always enjoy getting a trade request from him, even if uh, we don't end up making a deal. So, uh, yeah, it's I, I, they can't possibly all be on the rise because somebody has to lose in the division. Right. But I, I feel the, the same for Cleveland that I'm not I'm not worried about this team. Yeah, no, agreed. And uh, their triple A team was good, too. Won 69 games. Um, I think it's easy to forget, but O.C. Stibbs is only 26. Feels like he's been around forever. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah. But I was I was looking at his stats in AAA, and he put up five wins above replacement. He's got good control. So who knows? Maybe he'll make another make another show of it in the in the pros. Yeah. This this poor kid got uh, one appearance in the LBL last year and uh, gave up two hits, and they set him down. So his uh, professional walks plus hits per innings pitched is currently at six. Uh, so, uh, but he didn't allow any runs. Uh, so hopefully he gets another shot. Um, I remember talking about this guy, you know, I think around a year and a half ago when he first joined the league file. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. I, I wrote a whole buddy cop, uh, <laughs> adventure between <laughs> him and some no bat catchers. So right. I like those tips. I hope, I hope he makes it back. And, and I just, uh, noticed too, that Don Henwood is, uh, pitching over for the blues at triple A. Yeah, 42, hanging on, <laughs> looking for one more shot. So yeah, love maybe, that guy. Maybe Richmond can get him back into the rotation. Oh, you know us. We like to, to pick through the um, poppy fields, if you know what I mean. Um, but, yeah, uh, he's probably not old enough for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah uh, we have a nice, you know, on-site facility for all of our old AAA players. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess we should uh, we should probably talk about the Beavers since we're still on the frontier. Um 
obviously uh, a an interesting start, but a fantastic recovery for Doug. Yeah, I think, you know, he's got pitching that has got to be the envy of every other team with Purdue, Pope, and King. Yeah. And then a player that I've always liked, Loveridge, as the uh, middle reliever. You know, he, he pitched 46 innings out of the pen, sort of in that uh, Jill Durtnell role. Did a really nice job. Um, you know, and he decided he was going to lean into it this year by going out and getting a really good defensive catcher and defensive shortstop. You know, Lovenbury had been tailing off a little bit as the defensive whiz that had been occupying that role for the Beavers for a while. Um, so strong moves by the Beavers to sort of seize the seize the brass ring this year. And then, you know, two old-timers really um, leading the way in Phil Winters and Zach Pizza. Both had phenomenal offensive years this year at the ripe age of 37 and 40, respectively. Yeah. 40 years old, this guy led the Western League in on-base percentage. Like, just wild. Um, this is, I mean, you look at his stats, fantastic. Another guy who's never had a bad year, you know, since 1895. I've just been putting up, like, 130-plus WRC+. Plus. Um, God, I love Zach Pizza. One of my favorites. I know I keep saying that, but I love this guy. Yeah, and Phil Winters, 37 years old. First baseman steals fifty nine bags. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um also very cool. Um boy, he had a, another phenomenal season and he's he's a likable character. It, Phil Winters is one of the first players I remember thinking about because he he did really well early on as well. Uh another guy who's never had a bad season. Um you're just looking at all these future Hall of Famers on the Beavers right now. It's pretty fun. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, it's a fun team. Um, I'm going to be rooting for him in the Western League just because I'd like to see Winters and Pizza uh, break through. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of familiar names on the roster. Um, Harlan Gunton, I feel, has been around for a while too. Um, and has yeah, been... maybe looking for revenge in this series. He's yeah. a former Empire, <laughs> Empire yeah. second baseman. Yep. Um, so good stuff. Yeah. Well, congratulations to Doug. Uh, well deserved. And like you said, it seemed. Um, that those uh, those key trades were really aligned with when he just skyrocketed above the division. So very well done uh, by Doug, finishing at 77 and 43. Um, that's, that sort of concludes my thoughts on the frontier. Just a, a hard-hitting, uh, defensively superior, great division, as much as it pains me to admit, probably the best division in baseball right now. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I don't like saying it, so I'm not going to, but... Uh... You know, let's just move on. Yeah, well, let's head a little north. Uh, <laughs> let's to the Great Lakes. Um, who do you want to start with in the Great Lakes? Um, why don't we start with the Packers? Um, okay. Um, I think, you know, it was a tough year. They were the worst team in baseball. As far as silver linings, you know, Penfield looks okay in center field. He's a young guy, 22. Murphy Ridge is still pretty good. Mm-hmm. They had a big talent bump in Burden Claris. Um, you know, so I liked the guys that they got at the beginning of the draft, Petrie and Cornette. I think those are good outfielders. So, um, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully they turn the corner in a couple of years. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't, 
it's it's <laughs> I don't want to phrase it indelicately, but it's a good time to get good draft picks in the LBL. Um, with with the it, it, more with the rounds going further, and with the college leagues being integrated, um, I think uh, if it, another silver lining would be that the you know you're not you're not screwed forever. Um, you're going to get a good draft pick, even with the lottery, right? Still, you know, heavily weighted towards a good draft pick, and it's a good time to rebuild. And so that's clearly what the Packers are going to have to do, um, both uh, on their offense and in their pitching staff. Um, I, you're right; there there does seem to be some some slivers of hope, but it's it's definitely a moment of um, of looking towards the future. Um, they, of course, got uh, everyone's favorite player, Marcellus Cobbledick. Um, so you know <laughs> they'll have that uh, that closer uh, leading the charge for him here in a few years. Yep. Yeah, and you know they've got Alvis Bell, Alvis Allen, excuse me, at shortstop, twenty-two. Looks like a fine player, probably utility guy. Um, so you know there's there's some pieces there, but uh, it was a it was a rough year for the Packers. Yeah, yeah, I think Harry Bell's probably a year or two out from being uh, um, a pretty good. Uh, starting pitcher um, and yeah we'll, we'll just have to wait and see with the Packers I think Harry Bell is the guy is that the, I think that to bring it all home I think he was the uh, yeah he was the last draft pick in 1903 was the he really yeah, so that's the guy yep wow talk about a comeback story yeah I mean I, I don't know what you got him at here but I think this guy's gonna start in the LBL uh, his movement's a little low, so that might be a problem. But he's an extreme ground baller, you know. Yeah, lefty. Yeah, yeah. Th- those ratings will play. Yeah, awesome. Just goes to show you got to pay attention to the whole draft. <laughs> and not cut them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, that's the Packers. You want to you want to talk about our other friendly uh, Chicago team? Uh, yeah. Let's uh, let's talk about the Dubs. Calling them up now. I, I like their pitching. I think they've got great young pitching, all under thirty. You know, Kurt Kesey wasn't a guy that I expected to be as good as he is, but yeah. you know, he's been doing it for a number of years now, and he put put up six and a half wins above replacement this year. Good stuff in a left-handed package. I think uh, you know he's a, a real bright spot. But all four of the guys that are starting pitchers for for the doves are good. So I think, you know, that's a real bright spot. They're all under 30. So they should be there when he comes out of the mini rebuild that he's, that he's working on at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so too. I think, um, probably, uh, you know, I think with, with Quentin Rose, he strikes me as a guy who, uh, who, sh- who should do better than he does historically in these last three seasons. So maybe, maybe that turnaround is around the corner. Um, at least my scout has got him as somebody that that should be doing pretty well, um, if not right on the cusp of it. And then yeah, like I like Casey and Smith. Um, he's got, um, I think, some some old staples as well, uh, like folks like Nikki Williams, who are you know obviously declining. He's thirty six, but uh, still has got a pretty good bat. Um, I, I think on this team, a little bit of pitching tweaking, and then. Uh, just find finding those bats or platoons that can get the, the OPS plus up. Yeah. And I think he's got some good relief pitchers in the upper minors. Like Bonnie K is really good in triple mm-hmm. a. Um, so he'll fortify what's already a strength. Raymond Burridge is 
um, really good left-handed. He's a side armor, which I don't really like, but um, out of the pen, I think that it's totally fine. Um, and then, yeah, he's got some really good guys down in double a, but both, both of his minor league teams were really good. 79 wins in triple a 81 in double a. So, um, you know, I would expect, expect a pretty quick turnaround. Not to mention, uh, the Moline plowmen probably have the most inspiring uniform in all of, uh, the legacy baseball league universe. I don't know if you've uh, seen it recently, but it's, uh, I have. They are a sight to behold. There's no doubt. (laughs) Going very old school with the, uh, cadet, uh, jackets. So, uh, if, if those listening, if you haven't seen the Moline Plowman get up, you gotta go check it out. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I, I would agree with, with everything uh, you said. I think they got some good depth in their minors. I think, um, I think continue to draft well and, uh, just some, some offensive tweaks. Um, and, uh, yeah. like I really like he, uh, he's got Armitage in center field down in double a, um, he drafted Lonzo Mason, who I really liked, and he got him later than I thought Lonzo would go in the draft. thought that was a great pick. I think he got him in the third round. Um, he's got a lot of high eye guys in AA, so I think there's a clear team philosophy that's sort of coalescing there. I think uh, you give them a couple of years, and they're going to be hard outs. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another team we'll keep a close eye on here in the next couple of seasons Uh well-managed miners. Uh, how about Detroit? What do you think? I think Detroit has got a fantastic outfield. I think if not the Reds, then Detroit is the team that's got the best combination of outfield bats at the moment. Vernon German is a fantastic name yeah. and uh, <laughs> an amazing glove in center field. Um, Fletcher Puttick is a guy that used to man center field for them. He's uh, now an all-world defensive right fielder. George Anderson is a a guy that I think got called up this year. I, I, he had a cup of coffee last year. Um, and he didn't do a whole lot yet, but he's 21, and uh, he's a lefty that also plays really good defense. He's got three guys in the outfield with 70 range, so... I think once they get a little bit older, they're 23, 21, and 28 respectively. Um, there's not a lot that's going to fall once uh, once they get going. Um, it's going to be like those old Royals teams when they won the World <laughs> Series where it's like, you know, you can hit it anywhere and they're going to catch it. Um, and I like Earl Seacomb at shortstop for them. I think he's another guy that's just a phenomenal glove at shortstop. And, uh, you know, so I think between those four players – you're looking at a defense is going to be really formidable in the, uh, in the coming years. Yeah. And, uh, good pitching, you know, they seem to have gone to like a two and a half man rotation this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Reinhold Elliott is a amazing lefty and, uh, gotten had a, had a really good year, probably a career year this year. Um, so, you know, plenty of bright spots. I think if you've got the outfield figured out and you've got a shortstop in place, you know, the rest of it is just trying to find pieces that fit. But those are those are the most important spots, I think. Yeah, I mean, you see, Ricky McCoy has been uh, relegated to the old folks' home of the the uh, defense, the first base, um, uh, full time there this year. Uh, he, he still stole fifty five bags. He needs about a hundred and thirty more to reach a thousand stolen bases, and I don't know if he's going to get there. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. Sh- yeah, uh, he's probably got another couple years in him. I mean, he, he was an above average bat this year. Yeah. And I think he does it. I think he does it. Okay, well, we'll revisit. I, I hope he does. I love Lightning McCoy. Um, this is one di- person I did custom name um, because Ricky McCoy is the name of my GM in Piba, and so I've always really liked Ricky. Um, obviously a future Hall of Famer as well, and in, uh, the bat's still there a little bit. Um, and, uh, I mean, he, he hit above average and uh, easy player to like, and his speed's still there. So I, I agree with putting him on first. And I'm glad there's still a spot for him in Detroit. I agree. Yeah, I mean he's uh, the LBL will be a darker, darker league when he's not around. I feel like yeah, he's one of the original shining lights. He was, yeah, a challenger to McKenzie back in the day. Um, and and uh, back when McKenzie would still steal bases, uh, but um, well, I guess he Leo still gets his fair amount of bags. Um, but yeah, offense, I think some, uh, like you said, I think these outfields are growing into their own a little bit. I think there are some balancing decisions to be had about uh, outfield defense versus offensive production for the Giants. Um, uh, but overall, you know, I, I think uh, it'll be really interesting to see how the Great Lakes unfolds. Uh, you gotta, when you got to deal with a, with a pesky GM like Max, you got to get creative. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to talk about the Empire next? Yeah, let's talk about the Evil Empire. <laughs> um, before we talk about the Major League team, I just want to uh, point out, if you flip through the draft class, I don't think there is one guy that Max drafted that has got a decent personality. <laughs> I think he, he went all in on uh, the guys with red flags in the uh, the personality traits. That is pretty funny. I hadn't noticed that, uh, but that's hilarious. All right. Um, where do you want to start? Pitching? I mean, he's got two really good ones. <laughs> yeah, let's talk pitching. Yeah. Uh, Winall was, you know, one of the uh, the big signings back in the, the Wild West days of free agency. And, uh, you know, it was a bet that, that came to fruition. He... Uh, you're looking at a FIP and an ERA that are under two, ex-FIP under two, more than seven wins above replacement. Uh, no, no faults there. Um, and then Pierce Adney, 70 control, lefty, ground baller. That's a tough one, too, for the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I like both of those. I'm a, you know, I've been a big fan of Winall since the experiment began, and it has taken some time, but it, he has panned out wonderfully. He just needs a little bit more control. Um, and, uh, yeah, 7.2 war this year. Um, and then uh, Gordon Maddock also uh, had a fantastic year for someone whose uh, stuff is on the way down. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it in the – playoff podcast like yeah maybe it was the last ride nope (laughs) (laughs) five wins above replacement (laughs) well you're not wrong though i mean even on their major league roster i mean at least pierce adney looks like a nice guy uh might hang out with pierce but yeah i don't know if i'd have a lot of fun in the twin cities uh clubhouse (laughs) the good thing they're winning yeah (laughs) yeah Uh, he's got some pitch counts invoked as well with maddock and winall probably due to their uh, well no it's not not a stamina thing um but uh, Reginald Brooks, uh, he had 62 innings and uh, top, top movement control type guy and and uh, walks 
yeah, just, just like all around, just had a fantastic year as well, ground baller. So I think that was a, a good part of Max's strategy. Uh, like I said, more and more teams seem to be doing it each year. Yeah, he's been around a long time, and uh, you know he's been a fixture on the top of the save leaderboard before that was even really a thing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, kudos to Max for hopping on that that trend really before it was even in its infancy. Yeah, absolutely. And then um, obviously Max had a really good offensive year. Looking at his uh, his batting numbers, uh, boy, even uh, Kensington had a one twenty four OPS plus. Um, yeah, just a really, really strong offensive year for the Empire. Yeah, I think they, I'd have to look back on past years, but I think they may be the most successful in terms of run prevention. Uh, Cleveland had a really good year last year, um, but by far the best this year in um, in run prevention. It's not even particularly close between them and the, the second closest, which uh, again was Cleveland. Um, one and two so you know a really good defense in Twin City their park um, you know it's not a hitter's park but there's an opportunity to play to the gaps there and so the fact that um, they allowed the least runs is is pretty impressive I think it's a testament to a defense that's good top to bottom yeah now it's uh, looking at the graphical depth chart it's it's quite a quite a lineup Um, and uh, you see Marion Chataway and Albert Winall next year are on the last year of their respective contracts. So uh, that that will put full buying power and free agency back in the hands of Twin Cities. So they're going to be even more dangerous here after 1908. Just what the rest of the Great Lakes wanted to hear, I'm sure. Yeah, finally, <laughs> finally more power for Twin Cities. So, um, But yeah, no, hats off to Max. Congratulations. I thought he did a great job. Uh, it's, a, it's a great season, and uh, I look forward to, to beating him in the uh, Legacy Cup. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, I'm just gonna leave that unacknowledged. And we'll move on. <laughs> okay. Um. Are so we're gonna, we're traveling uh, back to the homeland. Uh, do you want to start up north or down south? Uh. Why don't we go through your division? I feel like uh, there's a lot to talk about there. If not necessarily at the major league level for some of these teams, then um, you know I think they've all got really interesting stuff cooking. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the New York Batkins. <laughs> I've been waiting for that yeah. joke. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, broke his own WAR yeah. record, broke his own strikeout record. <laughs> like this guy is is the Leo McKenzie of pitching. Three hundred fifty-seven strikeouts in three hundred innings. Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, I, there's teams that probably didn't strike out that many people. No, I'm yeah. look that up right now. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'd feel bad saying it, but yeah, it's uh, and he's not even fully developed yet like he still has uh control and movement uh like this this is a guy who threw 142 walks and still has the best uh strike to walk ratio or strikeout to walk ratio in baseball like the dude is insane yeah so he struck out by himself more guys than both uh the brewers and the beavers <laughs> uh yeah that it's wild. It's a it's a whole new way of playing baseball uh, that the Western League doesn't have to deal with, and we we just have to go ahead and put an L on our calendar uh, once per series with the Bakers, um, and uh, yeah, and he is only twenty one years old. Yeah, so another what sixteen, seventeen <laughs> years? <laughs> yeah, my goodness. 
Um, so yeah, just another four real life years of domination by Robert Batkin. Um, but no, I think this is incredible. Uh, I think he's the only top rated stuff guy that my scout has. Um, and, uh, he, he's just, uh, you know, I, I hate playing the Bakers because of this, but, uh, uh, definitely yeah. uh, redefining player in the league. I know we ranted about him last podcast, so I don't want to talk about him too much, but hats off to Robert Backen. Yeah, and of course he's a lefty, right? Of like course a, he just is. A, yeah. and, a, and a ground baller. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just like the perfect, perfect pitcher. So. Yeah, um, but, you know, there there are other players on the New York Bakers. Um, I think, uh, obviously, they're still working on uh, on their pitching, on their on their farm to develop. Um I think uh, if we take a look at their offense, they actually had a pretty good offensive year over there in New York. Yeah, they've got interesting bats um, throughout the organization. I think really the challenge for Steve has been a lot of the guys just don't have clear positions to play. And so it's trying to balance getting the good bats into the lineup when they're hot, but, um, you know, without really a, a good good spot where they clearly present as as plus options so there's a lot of guys that are maybe third baseman maybe second baseman maybe first baseman you know the curtis pick makes a lot of sense for him because there's not a guy that's a clear shortstop uh at the major league level so um you know i think good for uh steve to recognize what was an obvious organizational hole and try and fill it and um you know we talked about curtis earlier i think if Steve wanted to, he could probably um, try him out in the in the majors next year, and he'd probably perform just fine. Yeah, no, I I think so. Um, I'm looking at his uh, at his minors right now. Um, got the kind of the, this. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say the Double A lineup is stacked, uh, at least in the infield, first base, second base, shortstop, and third base all look good. Curtis is shortstop. Clem Holmes is second base, who was a first-round pick last year. Um, Claire Spaulding, who was a second-round pick and had a big talent bump this year, looks like an amazing bat for third base. Um, and then Cecil Dixon at first base, lefty, good eye. You know, I, I think there's a lot to like on uh, on the Poughkeepsie apprentices. Yeah, no, I think maybe. Steve, uh, he put uh, Savory back down in in Double A around July, um, and uh, I think maybe that's just to get him some uh, some more development in an easier uh, league. But uh, did fine in the LBL, you know, he actually did pretty well. Um, so a little bit more development there. I say, you know, this guy's probably ready to call up next year, maybe halfway in. We'll see, but. Yeah, um, there's a lot to like. Um, I think uh, I'm looking at some guys that are probably relievers that are currently serving as starters. Um, but the Bakers have, have a deep minor league, and like I said, I think they did pretty well offensively. Um, and they, you know, with with Batkin as your centerpiece, you can you can be pretty selective in how you want to form your team. Yep, he does allow for a certain fudge factor. There's no doubt about that. So um, I'll be excited to see the apprentices start to work their way up. And, you know, I think in a couple of years, once those guys are all in the lineup, I, you know, I can't imagine a, a better one through four in the in the infield, in the minors. Yeah. 
absolutely. Um, well, that's that's all I have on the the bakers. Um, I, I think maybe let's see here. Yeah. Oh yeah. Let's let's talk about Jim and the Clippers. Okay. Flip on over there. We saw All right. full. I'm ready. So the first, I think, <laughs> one of the stories of Baltimore, who another another GM who's been very diligent in, in putting his team together, and that they're on the rise. Uh, the first full season with uh, Elroy Fowler at the major league level. Yeah, and uh, you know, Music Man was he a was he the top pick, or he might have been the second pick in the third third pick? Okay, uh, yeah, third overall. Um. Yeah, phenomenal bat. I mean, to me, this guy looks similar to Curtis Rose or what Curtis Rose could be. Mm-hmm. Uh, lower air than Rose, but higher arm. Um, you know, so you're looking at a guy, he'll boot a fair number of ground balls, but that bat, I mean, that uh, that gives you a lot of a lot of grace at, at shortstop to, uh, with a bat like that. So, um, you know, one thing that stands out to me about Baltimore is how balanced they are lefty righty um and there was a multiple year period where the clippers were very lefty heavy and so it was easy to <laughs> easy to abuse the clippers by throwing a, a couple of left-handed pitchers at them but that doesn't seem to be the case now they've got a nice nice balance um in their lineup between the two yeah, no, it's uh, they're an easy team to like. We talked a little bit about Kettle and Glenn. Um, Kettle had a pretty dang good season. Uh, I think, uh, like, like we've mentioned, uh, when some pitching is ready to come up, I think this is a, a rotation that is in in pretty good need of some rejuvenation on half of their the rotation. But uh, I think Hall finished really strong this year, though they're lefty who's still developing and he's another ground baller. So yeah, I, I agree with the balance, uh, both in their lineup and just the overall construction of the franchise. And I think Jim is a, is a guy who knows what he's doing and is, is seeing the clock work through. Yeah. And they've got good players. Like I said, triple a tends to be a bit of a wasteland. If you flip through the different organizations, Boris Wilkinson, you know, I think Jim would probably admit to being disappointed with his development, but I think he's a guy that, can still serve a role on a major league team. Um, Burstall and Cheryl are both good third basemen that he's got down in in AAA, and um, Stuart Marsden looks good as a corner outfielder. So, you know, he's got guys that are are ready to come up um, and contribute that are that are young, that are under twenty two. Um, you know, so I would expect them and Gimson to start to trickle in next year and. Um, we could talk about the Clippers challenging for the top of your division soon. Yeah, well, let's let's hope that never happens. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd like to stay up for longer than a year for once. But uh, no, yeah, I, I I like the Clippers. Always have ever since the uh, the the old days with the Catholic priest um, as their manager <laughs> in the 1800s. Um, but yeah. Um, so uh, there were a couple moments with Baltimore where I was actually kind of nervous. Uh, one was in mid-May, and I think another one was in mid-June, where I was like, "Oh man, like the the Clippers are coming after first place right now." It was pretty cool. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I think and, I, and they still have Jacob Colbert, who remains one of my favorite players. Like... <laughs> that's right. Yeah, 
you know, all of his defensive ratings are still phenomenal, and he's a 36-year-old shortstop. So, <laughs> you know, I hope he sticks around for another six years, does the uh, Omar Vizquel routine in uh, 1907. Sure. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, let's, uh, l- let's talk a little bit about uh, our dear friend Martin and the Philadelphia Brewers. Yeah, he's he can't be happy with how the season went, um, but you know he he just wrote a nice piece about some of the younger players that are starting to trickle up and um, fill in some of the the roles that have been held by some of the LBLs, you know, premier players for the last twelve years. Um, so I think there's plenty to like about the Brewers. Anyway, anytime you've got Leo McKenzie who in a down year has a on base percentage of 461. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Martin was joking about that today. Just like, oh, yeah, that posted a career low batting average, it was like 330 something, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. um, but yeah, um, you know, you look at the Brewers, I mean, it's important to keep in mind this is a team that has won the Legacy Cup five times, um, in a pretty short history for the league. Uh, and in that, a lot of the team has stayed really consistent, like the lineups have. So you, you could argue even more so than the rifles. This this team uh, has been so good for so long, and that they're in a transitional phase and have to. They're kind of at a, a, a crossroads right now. Yeah, they've got some really interesting things to work out over the next year. Like I'm, I'm very interested to see how Winfield Clark does. Who you know, would ordinarily present as a relief pitcher, but um, Martin's tried him in the rotation and, you know, Boston's had some success with some of these, some of these guys and Providence has as well in the past, Um, you know, and he had a really good uh, strikeout to walk ratio in eight games started. So um, I'll be really interested to see how he does next year. Assuming he's in a similar role, um, you know, and then um, Milan Featherstone coming up at first base is a really interesting bat. You know, I think they've got some interesting guys that um, will be starting to take more prominence um, starting in as early as 1908. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think Philly is going to be just fine. Um, I think that uh, it, it blows my mind uh, that Edgerton still had a you know a decent season considering that he is 40 and cannot shouldn't be able to throw anymore and i know he's done now had a very poetic end to his career beating the rifles and getting injured at the end of it but getting the win um so uh yeah the phillies finish out at uh 500 um i think it, it, much like it always is with the Phillies, they go the way of their pitching. You know, if they have a good pitching year, they sort of cruise to the top of the division. If they have pitching challenges like they did this year, then they struggle and, and sort of flounder in the last third. Um, but uh, this is by no means a, an organization that needs to strip down and it, I think could easily be right back up there at any point. Yeah, and I don't want to alarm you, but they've got some decent pitching waiting in the wings. Um <laughs> Elvin Althwaite was a guy that had a talent bump at some point after the draft. Ground baller. He did. Good control, good stuff. Mm -hmm. I think he added a pitch. Um, He's 20 years old. He's got maybe another year, maybe two of seasoning, and then he'll be up in the majors uh, terrorizing hitters. You know, we've got Reinhold Rogers that came over. Yep. Um, You know, so I think uh, I, I I wouldn't 
count on a a big slip for Philly going forward. I think they'll they'll be challenging for the division again next year. No, I I 100% agree. That's what always happens when I think they're done. Um, I I am uh, taking bets to see if Leo McKenzie makes it to 50 years old or not. I'm thinking probably. Yeah, well, he'll. Be, I mean, he'll probably put up like a modest, I don't know, three ninety on base percentage. <laughs> yeah, all of his friends have regressed into just you know like triple A players, and it's just him and Zach Pizza and Ricky McCoy still, you know, posting three, four war seasons. So, um, but yeah, no, uh, I uh, I will always like the Brewers. They are the most successful franchise in in the LBL, and um, there's a reason for that. So I'm sure Martin is already in his laboratory figuring out how to beat the rifles next year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I think, uh, there's still a lot to like about them. The players are on the older side on the offense, but they're not old, not for LBL, not by LBL standards anyway. So I think, uh, I think they're going to bounce back in a big way next year. Absolutely. Uh, well that brings us to my favorite team. Yeah, uh, speaking of old. Yeah, <laughs> speaking of geriatrics, the Rifles of Richmond. Um, I thought we did pretty well this year. I was satisfied. Yeah, you uh, the Mears trade, you've got to be happy with that. I, um, I've i gone in and I voted already for the, the awards. And as I was going through the, um, what are we, the Golden Bat Award, mm-hmm. it was like every position. It's like, all right, well, Richmond. <laughs> <laughs> You've got just an amazing offense this year, um, so I'm not not looking forward to uh, the League Cup as a result. I think you've just got hitters at every position uh, in the lineup. It's it's gross. It is gross uh, in a good way uh, for me. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, we we actually talked about this. I think two podcasts ago, how you could really go two ways in the dead ball era. You could either just 100% invest into pitching. You could be like Brooklyn and then just have the perfect team at every position. Uh, but for the rest of us, I think you kind of have to choose. So the strategy with uh, with Richmond this last year, last off season, was like, well, uh, we're not going to get elite shortstop. We're not going to get an elite center fielder. So let's just get as many undervalued bats as we can and force them into the lineup and and at least for this year i think that was fairly successful yeah you've got four guys on your major league roster that have a wrc plus below 120 (laughs) so (laughs) that's uh that's a pretty good place to be and then you know at the top of your rotation you've got the two best pitchers in lbl history and matt holiday and ivy maw yeah and uh chester jacks the new guy is no slouch either but 7.2 7.2 war this year so yeah yeah we it's, uh, we it's a good good team you've got there in richmond thank you yeah it, it worked out obviously we've we've got some work to do i think um i i think we we could do with a better shortstop i think tennessee mirrors in his uh, heart of hearts is a corner outfielder um but you, you know we it's it's funny to look at our defensive ratings because we're still very middling for the LBL, but we were like the worst in everything last year. So it was kind of Herculean just to get to the middle um, and uh, improve up the middle in our own way. Um, the Eastern League in general has not bought into the, the Brooklyn manual of, uh, of defense as well as the Western League has. Um, it, and that's especially true with like Philly... Um, and when Richmond, um, I, I think we're trying to look for value elsewhere um, since it's so hard to find elite shortstops and, and uh, center fielders, mostly because they're all on the Brooklyn minor league roster. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty easy. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, yeah. Anyway, anyway, um, I I think that it's always nice. Every once in a while, your plan to turn around the team works, and I think this is an example of that. So I'm I'm proud of the boys in Richmond this year. Yeah, you've got to be really excited about what Dwight Ford showed you. He was your big off-season signing for wins above replacement. Phenomenal bat, almost 140 WRC plus. Uh, great, great glove at third base. You know, I think uh, as a guy that's going to serve as a fixture for the next, I don't know, ten years, eight years in Richmond. That's a, uh, that's a good bang for your buck in free agency. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, it's hard for everybody uh, to to deal with uh, somebody in their twenties in the clubhouse. Uh, most of them being in their thirties or forties. It's a bit of a, a generational gap, but they're getting used to it. <laughs> uh, too good. Yeah, is there a daycare, or how does that work? <laughs> yeah, they, they take turns watching Dwight. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, I always love the Liberty. It's a, it's a transitional. Uh, I think there was the most competition in terms of um, uh, tr- not to – I guess the way to phrase it is not being sure at the start who was going to take the division. I was pretty sure for, for three of the divisions, wasn't sure for the Liberty. Uh, obviously, I was happy with the outcome. Uh, but I suppose we better move up to our uh, refined cousins in the Ivy. Um, yeah, let's start with Providence. I think this is always an interesting team. Mm-hmm. They've got just the skeleton of a phenomenal offense. We've got Burnell, Lo- uh, Loyal Wright, who had a bit of a down year this year, but the ratings say he should be one of the best bats in the league. They've got Madison Alligan, also in a corner. Franz Slaughter is good. You know, so they've got four guys that are just, you know, by by themselves enough to be one of the, you know, top offenses in the Legacy Baseball League. And uh, I think they're still looking for a shortstop probably, move Loyal right over to second base. They've got a center fielder in Aldersley. So, you know, I think... Once he gets the pitching figured out, Providence is going to be right in that upper echelon of teams. Yep. Um, I've said it before. Uh, I think this is a team that just needs a little bit of tinkering. They have one of, uh, at least statistically, one of the top offenses, uh, which is good. That's a good building block. I I do agree that some of the the pitching needs to be figured out. Uh, I think it can be difficult. to, to and t- try and kind of gauge the way that the league works when you're new to the league file and and what kind of players you start and what you have available when you start out. But um, you know, uh, I'm a big Providence fan, always have been, and um, I think that that, that that having that good offense at the start is something you can build around. Yeah, and I thought he did a really nice job. Like I, like I said during the draft segment of. Um, really building up the depth of his minor league pitching. I think he got three really good starters. And, you know, at this point, we'll just see which of them shake out. But uh, I think he he positioned himself well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a lot to look forward to for Providence. And with a little bit of tinkering and some time, I think, I think we'll see him just fine. And now the the ghost team, the, the Boston Banshees. Um. Well, should we talk about the shortstop while he's there, or um... <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the the revolving door of superior shortstops that is the Boston franchise? 
Um, yeah, I mean Jackson. He's been there a couple of years. He looks like he's got a good glove. He could probably trade him for something good if, if you were so inclined. <laughs> yeah. yeah, why not? Um, but uh, but yeah, so obviously that was a big trade. You know, another. I, I mean, uh, Josiah wrote a really good piece when when Kensington Jones shipped off called uh, Boston Wept. Um, I've been waiting for a Boston Wept again, uh, but I just haven't uh, seen it in the writing channel yet. Yeah, he did have a nice piece about, you know, uh, the state of the franchise. And mm-hmm. I think it sets him up well as a continuing series if uh, if he's so inclined. But, um, you know, they've got some good young players. And I'm envious. I mean, he just he drafted like 25 guys this year and yeah. all of them were good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, his double A team going to be really good next year. And, you know, they'll all work their way up through the system together. And even if some of them, flip a little bit you have to expect that some of them will pop and uh i think he's set up set up pretty well for the next decade yeah no i he uh he has his reliever or his starters on an even shorter leash i think he's probably the most aggressive in the lbl with uh with pulling his starters um which i I still think is a sound strategy i think he's gonna have to um get some uh i think he's have to retool his his bullpen for that to be uh, effective uh, or more effective but um, I still think that that is a that is an edge, and that edge is is productive. Um, it's it's fun to be kind of in the wild west of relief strategy, and it, it is even more fun to see folks like Josiah tinker with it. Yeah, and you know I think on top of the pitching, and uh, you know I think he has found an edge in that he's got guys that are not traditional starters. You know, Hallworth has been there for years and has been an above average starting pitcher for four years at this point um mm-hmm. with reliever stuff so i think um once the once the hitters come along he's looking pretty good and he's got a guy in triple a carl mullinger who i think he traded with max for in the kensington trade perhaps um that looks like he's ready to come up again a first baseman that's a guy that can steal a lot of bags add value on the on the base paths um might even be able, and he can bunt for a hit above average, which I think um, is something that I'm thinking about tinkering with. I think it it could just add a little bit of value in our our dead ball um, file, but um, yeah, and he's got Charles Dixon at catcher, who looks like he's maybe a year away. He could probably play in the majors now, but uh, I'd probably give him another year of seasoning. Um, so he's already got guys coming from triple a that'll be good you know in the next year or two and then double a probably three years four years from now yeah mayday mance recovered very nicely from his injury had a fantastic uh their short season at double a this year yeah a lot to like about the direction of the of the banshees uh, i'm i've been really impressed with how josiah's drafted over the last two two drafts yeah no i enjoyed speaking with him during the live drafting event uh he's a guy who knows what he wants and and seems to be very set in the strategy so we we have a lot of really active gms in the lbo we're really fortunate in that and uh, josiah is definitely one of them right now and um excited to see where boston goes yeah and we're full and cannot we haven't really oh this is our first completely full season i think I think it is. I, I hadn't thought of it. Yeah, it just it seemed so unachievable. So yeah, good for us. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, all right. How, how about uh, the Kings of New York? Yeah, um, 
I think this is a team that is right on the cusp. You know, their record wasn't great this year. I think they were better by expected um, expected record. But, you know, you've got Chell and Ridsdale, a phenomenal one-two at the top of the rotation. Palmer Flory was a force in center field. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got Isaiah um, Godbolt, who, <laughs> um, you know, I think he'll win the Greenhorn Cup great he's playing him in the corner but he could play a great center field as well um you know and there's just a lot of good guys on the major league level that are under 27 harry lill just got called up he's a switch hitting third baseman that looks pretty good um and he had an amazing draft i think he probably had the best the best draft of anybody this year um Mm -hmm. You know, and so this was his first year at the helm of of the Kings, and um, you know, I think he's already shown that he's unfortunately going to be uh, somebody to to reckon with in the in the Ivy. I think um, you know, there's just a really good framework at the Kings to uh, to build up. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely agree. Uh, good, looks like good war um, from two of his three starting pitchers and Eduardo Chell, of course, is a, is kind of a cornerstone in that. Uh, Chell never really panned out into the, the backhand type that I thought he would, which still places him in the top uh, compartment of pitchers in the LBL. Yep. I mean, he had a casual 6.8 war this yeah. year, um, <laughs> yeah. 200 strikeouts. Yeah. Great, great year. Um, you know, somebody that hadn't really been on my radar first popped, last year is Forrest Fisher, you know, and we, I know we had talked about him. He was the greenhorn that, um, had potentially threatened to strike, um, when we first did our union, uh, storyline back in 1902 or whenever that was. And now he's a 29 year old and great bat at first base. But, um, it seems like he's finally hitting his potential, great contact, great gap. I is a bit of a drag, but, um, you know, he still had a decent on-base percentage this year. Mm-hmm. So um, I had originally thought that first base was going to be a hole that needed to be plugged for the Kings, but I think he's a he's a fine piece to go along with the, the players that we have already talked about. And Godfrey Barney at shortstop is maybe un- underappreciated, um, but he looks like he's a pretty good defender. Arms may be a little bit weak, but... Um, you know, he put up almost three and a half wins above replacement this year. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, it's tough when you're in the same division as the Wales because everything is relative to uh, one historic season after the other. But uh, I, 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 um, I I like the Kings a lot. And they have Lyle Shake Lady, who's got to be one of the best names in the LBL. So you got to give him credit for that as well. Yeah. He's a guy that's made the rounds as well. I think he's... I, maybe he still has Providence to go as far as the uh, Ivy League teams. Um, but he's played for the Doves. He played for Brooklyn, Boston. So, you know, a guy that's well-traveled. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tried to sign him one year that you grabbed him and then didn't go for him again. But, yeah, I, I always recognize his name in the list. Uh, but yeah, you're right. He also you're, uh, you had mentioned he had a very very good draft. The Kings get perpetually lucky with pitchers who go later. Um, 
so they've got some good depth in their minors. Um, I thought Rich McCrary was another good pull. I don't think we talked about that in the draft, um, but uh, a lot, a lot to like in the Kings system. Yeah, and uh, Aurelio Wanzi, he got in the second round. He got three guys that I had in as first round, first round picks. So pretty yeah. good, pretty good draft for the Kings. Fantastic. Uh, well, I suppose we can't put it off forever. I did say I would remember this time. I guess we're going to have to talk about the uh, the middling uh, Eastern League team known as the Brooklyn Whales. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're we're running it lean. We're under. We're in the bottom <laughs> half of payroll. You know, we're just trying to scratch together a, a decent season. Um, <laughs> Your Cinderella story comment had me laughing at work. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah, it was it was a good year. I mean, it was uh, one of the things that we talked about after the um, after the playoffs last year was I felt like the roster was pretty much done. Um, I did some tinkering around the edges this year. I got some old guys and some trades. I think Nikki Thompson was um, crucial once Leander Withycombe went down mm-hmm. uh, with his long term injury. He helped fortify at first base and. Um, allowed Strassen to move over to second base to uh, to fill that hole. Um, you know, Tinker Taylor had an unbelievable year. Uh, he had six errors all year, um, and he actually put up about a league average season with the with his bat, which was unexpected, but a nice um, a nice treat. Same with Clovis Juby, another guy that I don't really expect to hit. He put up a one nineteen WRC plus. Um, you know, so I felt confident with Withycombe that we had the best infield in the league. I feel less confident without him, um, but you know, I think um, I'm, I'm happy with how the season turned out. Obviously, uh, we had one one month that was below 500, and then every other month we did really well. Um, you know, so I think we've got some good pieces working their way through the minors. So I'm really happy with with how the organization is at the moment. Right, and a winning percentage record, right? Yes, by one game. Uh, so we, we cleared the, the hurdle. The last record was 7-2-7, I think, and this was a 7-3-3 year. So, uh, yeah, I uh, I didn't expect it once Withycombe went down. I thought that was going to be the end of it, but we, we cobbled it together. It took us a, a little while to figure out exactly how to arrange the puzzle pieces, but um, I think we rebounded towards the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I thought that was a huge achievement. I remember you saying before the sim that you had to win every game, and I'm like, well, that's definitely not going to happen. So <laughs> yeah, it was a nice try. And of course, you know, I was the one who simmed, so I couldn't even claim malfeasance in any way. But that's uh, true. Yeah, <laughs> unless I seeded something somewhere in the final. <laughs> yeah. So congratulations. This is a, obviously a fantastic season. I think it's the cherry on top that it's the most successful LBL season in LBL history. Um, and Brooklyn writes the manual on uh, on you know dead ball era uh, tinkering and team building. Um, so I I think it's going to be a, a great uh, playoff series. Yeah, uh, so I think Brooklyn and Richmond are the two best teams by you know most of the measures of run differential, run scored, um, expected runs allowed. I think Richmond is probably underserved by just looking at the record going into this and the run differential it looked to me like you were unlucky on both <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> run prevention and run scoring so yeah. i think you're 
your team is uh, maybe a, a quiet juggernaut that hasn't really been appreciated. So I, you know, I don't think it's a slam dunk for Brooklyn to to win this one. I think it's a coin flip. I mean, our head to head was nine to eight this year, and uh, I think that's about right. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, they're you know two very different teams. Uh, you know. Um... But uh, Brooklyn just doesn't have any weaknesses. It's uh, Richmond has one. It's their defense, right? Like that's that's for sure. We've got really good pitching and really good bats, and our defense struggles. In in basically every other advanced stat, Brooklyn and Richmond are tied, uh, except for anything to do with defense. And so I think that's where the uh, advantage for Brooklyn is. Yeah, we'll see. It's a short series. You know, anything can happen in that. I don't think defense is a huge huge edge in a five game series i think if we played nine i would feel better about the the edge on defense but i think there's enough randomness that i i genuinely think that this one could go either way um you know you seem to be a little bit worse against lefties so i'm going to pitch feign quite a bit but um my team is worse against varieties than it is against lefties we destroy lefties we've got a pretty right-handed lineup but against righties we're about as good as you are against lefties. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. um, we'll, uh, we'll see how that shakes out um, in the sim. Yeah, no, uh, mentioning uh, the uh, the split this season, 9-8, to eight, I think it's really interesting. Uh, Brooklyn has really struggled against Ivy Maw this year. Um, like, uh, one of the worst, if, if you go and do the stats and you look at your team versus pitchers, Ivy Ma is like one of your nemesis for 1907. So I'm pretty pleased with that. Yeah. I mean, I'm not thrilled about going into a short series where we've got to beat Matt Holiday and Ivy Ma. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah. that's a rough draw. That's a rough draw for any team. So, yeah. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to it. I have been looking way too deep into the crystal ball this since the sim, um, trying to see what edge I can get in uh, player strategy. So uh, looking forward to it on Sunday. I, I'm simming, so I'm, I have a good chance of winning, which is nice for me. Yep, um, 2-0. Going yeah. back into Brooklyn. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's the worst when we joke about that, that it actually happens, you know. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, yeah, I think more we've been once. at it long enough yeah. that I don't know that there's any real suspicion yeah. there. So it's a good segue into predictions. What is your prediction for the Eastern League Cup? Um, well, my guess is that you're going to try and jinx me and say that Brooklyn's going to win. So I am going to jinx you and uh, predict a Richmond win in five. Well, Brendan, you're a smart guy because I also predict a Richmond win in five. Oh, well, then yeah. I've just guaranteed a Brooklyn win. <laughs> I know. I, uh, I I can't bet against my own team. I thought about it all day, what my prediction was going to be. But uh, I do think it'll go to five just because I think these are two uh, well-matched teams. And uh, I, I think uh, I will always vote for the, the boys in Maroon. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, in a short series, having the bats on your side, right, that's where the volatility lies. And I... I think that that gives you a little bit more upside than we have. And so I think you'll take it from us. Um, I'm planning on pitching Fain. Hopefully that works out and uh, helps to tamp down the bats. I've got Wallet uh, penciled in as the other starter. You know, good control. So I'm just hoping if we limit walks, hopefully the defense can take care of anything that, that gets into into play. But, um, you know, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. Hopefully uh, – 
Taylor doesn't fumble the series away like he did last year. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, uh, I I uh, I think it is clear that Brooklyn is the better team, but it's a magical time of year, and it's baseball, so you never know what's going to happen. Um, so uh, okay, so you've got Richmond advancing. Who do you have taken the Western League? I think that even though the Beavers are playing down a man with um, their third baseman out for the next 20 days, I think I like the Beavers to advance over the Empire. Similar to the way that you have underperformed against lefties, the Empire seem to have struggled even more. Uh, They have a 33% win percentage against lefties. And that's basically all of Doug's rotation. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like that's going to be an edge that gets pressed. And uh, I feel reasonably confident that the Beavers are going to prevail. I don't know who he plays at third base, maybe Lovenbury, or maybe he calls up Richard Elliott to uh, form a platoon there. But, um, you know, I, uh, I like Doug's chances of advancing. Maybe we'll say in four. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um I, I like it. I, I also see St. Louis advancing for a similar reason. I mean, they took, it was, it was pretty close 10, 10 and seven uh, over twin city in the regular city season. So uh, I, I do think it's a bit of a toss up, but uh, Doug has a very specifically constructed team and it makes you wonder if it's not specifically to stick it to twin cities. Like his whole team is built that way. It seems like, um, so, and also I just think they were a stronger team overall. Um, I, I know uh, what the run differential says, but that's just sort of how I, I look at it. No offense to Max, he's a fantastic GM. I think this defending is defending champion. Yeah, defending champion. I think this is the year of the Beavers. So um, I, I think it'll go five, um, but I think uh, I think St. Louis advances. All right. Well, so now we're on the same side on both. Yeah. So what do we think in the? In the Legacy Cup rematch of the Rifles Beavers, so you, you already mentioned sort of that that weakness versus lefties. I have um, resurrected um, Ezra Fisher from the dead for that reason. Um, not that he's a great batter against lefties, but he's a little got a little more pop. Um, so I've set that into the strategies to sort of counter that. Um, I, like I said, I'll never vote against uh, the Maroon, so I am going to say a complete repetition of 1903 and uh, a full series with Richmond winning in the end. Yeah, you got it in nine. Um, I will put Richmond over the top in seven. Okay. I think your team is better than the Beavers, and I think that there is enough – and your pitching staff where that's mostly a wash. Your bats are a lot better. And I just don't know that you can rely on the defense to carry the day in any given series. I think over the course of a season, it's it adds enough value that you can um, run away with it. But I think in a nine-game series, like I said, I think I would rather have the bats than the gloves. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, I think, you know, anytime anyone votes for the Rifles, I think they're a smart guy. So um, <laughs> I, I think, uh, like you said, I, I have never once been clo- uh, correct with uh, my predictions. So either this is the year or I've cursed myself. Um, I, I'd be remiss. Let's hope, let's hope for the latter. And that's only <laughs> upside for me. I'm either right in my predictions or 
<laughs> I might yeah. get to raise another cup. So. Yeah. Um, well, I think that Brooklyn deserves it. There's no doubt in my mind there. Um, looking at some of the predictions from the Slack we put out today, I think, um, what did Martin say? Something funny. Um, <laughs> he had, uh, yeah, the Whales over the Rifles in four, the Beavers over Twin Cities in five, and the Whales, or the Beavers over the Whales in five. Yeah, I, I'm starting to I'm starting to think he might be a double agent. I'm not <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, so there's a lot of love for the Western League coming out of Philadelphia. So and maybe we maybe we send him over there in timeout. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, well, we'll see. We we've got every combination in the predictions because Jim has got uh, Richmond over Brooklyn in four, and um, uh, then Richmond over TC in six. I think the only combo no one has predicted is. Uh, yeah, Twin City is, winning. Yeah. I don't think <laughs> so. Uh, maybe that's uh, maybe that's exactly what will happen. <laughs> we'll have uh, Brooklyn Twin City round four, five. I don't, I don't remember. Yeah, I guess it would be round four. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, which would be great. You guys should really just uh, you know move closer together to save on uh, trans transportation costs. <laughs> uh, I did want to note too. I. I we would have played each other in every round of playoffs this year. Um, but I, I f didn't realize we had a wild card in double a, I have to get rid of next year. So we're not oh. playing each other in the first round. So, but we might still, is there, is that how it works? If we both win, then we play each other in the semifinals. Correct. Yeah. Basically then it goes uh. to the league cup from there. So there's two wild card uh. teams. Um, well, we'll have to root for that then. Yeah, just a clean sweep for the commissioners. Yeah, <laughs> wouldn't that just build a ton of faith and confidence in the administration? <laughs> yeah. Hey, why does everyone keep quitting? Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> um, no, I wouldn't put it past us, but uh, that would be kind of fun. Uh, a lot of Richmond Brooklyn rivalry developing. So, um, yeah, that's true. We build the animosity in when they're young, so that by the time they uh, work their way up to the majors, they're sick of each other. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, well, I, I think that just about does it, Brendan. Any uh, any closing thoughts or comments? No, I thought this was a great season. Uh, I'm thrilled that we've got a full slate of GMs. Um, you know, I think the guys that have come in more recently seem really sharp, and um, yeah. you know, and most importantly, they seem friendly and that they're getting along with everybody i think we've got a nice community here and so it's nice to have people that i feel like are are both competitive but also good fits um coming in so you know i'm i'm really happy with the state of the league right now and um very happy with uh with brooklyn season as well yeah lots to be happy about if you're a brooklyn wales fan um but uh yeah i i yeah i echo all of that we've we've got some really great GMs in the last, I want to say six to eight months or so, um, really active. We have a very active league file, really high export rate. Uh, so things are going well. Who knew? Uh, I thought that'd just be the two of us dorks simming, uh, on the LBL forever. So it's fun to have some company. I, I agree. Um, well, I feel bad for whoever sits through all of this, um, <laughs> over two hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I appreciate you making time to, to chat with me, and it's been a lot of fun. It's nice talking LBL with somebody, and uh, looking forward to seeing how the playoffs shake out. Go All Wales. Right.
best of luck. Uh, he said go rifles, if anyone didn't catch that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess you do control the editing button, so you can make that happen. That's right. <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. For-